0: Well, we are continuing our study through the life of Abraham, as we have called it, the journey of faith. Now, last week we talked, well, if you've been watching, you know, it's different now and I'm up here. I don't stand on the floor and there's no, nobody here and the lights are off and the sound is off, but it's good to be back. Well, last week we talked about the great, the great after great victories in our lives, we are always faced with a certain temptation. I don't know if you find that, but I find it to be true. And a lot of times, those temptations sound good, sound decent, but you know they're not really God's best for us. And in, during those times, it's always wise to keep close to God, so those temptations won't be too much to, to avoid. Now we come to chapter 15 in, in Genesis, and it appears that not a lot of time has transpired until Abraham hears from God. Genesis 15:1 says after this the word of the lord came to abram in a vision don't be afraid abraham i am your shield your very great reward now chapter 14 deals with abraham's reactions in a given situation now we first we saw how uh, abraham refused any of the spoils of war he refused to take anything that would give somebody else credit and instead he trusted god to provide for that now There's a lot of uh, financial aid that's available during this situation. And we have chosen not to take advantage of that because we believe God can meet that need. And God has met that need and what we wanna do is be able to say the same thing that Abraham said. We trusted God for the provision during this situation and God's been faithful. So God, he, Abraham refused to take anything, and God says, good choice. I'm going to be your provider. I'm going to be the one who gives you what you need. Now, this chapter goes on to deal with his emotions rather than his actions. Now, how many have heard me say that we shouldn't trust our emotions, right? It's, our emotions lead us astray. But the one thing we can't do is ignore our emotions because they're there. They're part of our life. God give us, gave us the ability to have emotional feelings, we shouldn't suppress them. In fact, if when you suppress them, it usually winds up being a bad thing. So if we're made in the image of God, emotions are part of that makeup. God gave us, the, gave us the ability to have emotions. So Jesus expressed emotions. A lot of the authors of the Psalms expressed emotion, fear, worry, anxiety, so they are real. And a lot of times we pray out of our emotions. So emotions are something that we have to deal with on a daily basis, I'm sure. And obviously here, Abraham must have been afraid because God came to him and says, hey, don't be afraid. Now, unless, why would God tell him that if he wasn't fearful? Now, why was he afraid? Now, it doesn't tell us in specifics, but we can assume some things from the situation. Now, imagine he just got back from the great victory in the war and the enemy jumps in and offers him these things and all of a sudden... Fear comes in. What if these guys come back? What if this changes? What if they regroup and come back? How many of you have had a victory and all of a sudden the enemy fills you with all kinds of what ifs? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if? And sometimes it's always the negative and usually the worst case scenario. How many know people that as soon as they get a headache, they instantly think brain tumor? Or they get a a sniffle and they think that they're going to die. That's the worst case. And that's the enemy getting in after a victory. Bring into your mind the worst case scenario. So I'm sure Abraham's thinking, you know, these four or five kings, they could regroup and come back and get me. Remember, Elijah, he called down fire from heaven. And what happened? Fear, he got one threat by Jezebel, and fear got the better of him. So for Abraham, what if, thinking, what if I get killed? God made this covenant with me. I'm supposed to have many generations. What if I die? What if God can't fulfill his promise? You ever, you ever wonder that? You ever claim a promise and then wonder if God could meet it? Now, God doesn't meet our prom- his promises when we think he should. But God meets them when he knows it's best for us. And a lot of times we, just like Abraham, what if God doesn't provide And that's exactly what happened with him and Sarah when they didn't have a baby after 15 years of waiting. Back up a little bit there. What happened? Fear set in, what if God can't do it? And Sarah sets up her maid servant for that. So fear gets the better of you and it allows you to not believe what God promised. And that's exactly what Abraham was feeling at the same time. Now, we go through life there will always be something that comes next. How many have experienced that? Once you get a great victory, there's always the other shoe that's gonna drop, something that's gonna happen. And Abraham was concerned about what was coming next. And that's a good thing, because if we continue to move forward, there's always gonna be a what's next. What we can't do is we can't live on what happened yesterday or last year. We have to be prepared for what God has next for us. Right now, we're in the middle of this thing here. Rather than looking at the negative of what is happening, what's next? Man, what does God have next for us? Look what, if we go on in Abraham's life, all these great things happen to him because of what came next. And usually when next requires us to go deeper in God. How many of you have read the Bible through, cover to cover? How many of you read it through more than once? How many times when you read it through, you always find something new in it? Have you ever had to search out something that was personal to you that you had to figure out what the Bible says about that? I I call that going deeper. I I give the example of when I got saved, I was curious about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was part of an AG church, but I wanted to find out for myself if the Bible really supported that. And so I didn't listen to anybody, didn't read any books, I only read the Bible to figure out if it was true or not. And from that, I was able to determine that it is true. If I would have listened to somebody else or read a book, I could say, well, they, they said this, to go deeper in God, you have to study God's word for yourself so you are convinced that what, is, what you believe is true. And Abraham was going to go deeper in God and usually going deeper requires a corresponding difficult situation. When things are going easy, we're good, right? Cruising along, everything's fine. Your trust and your faith isn't exercised. However, when your cup gets bumped and things don't go the way you're planning and things aren't working out the way you thought they should work out, That is where your faith begins to grow. I've used the example of riding a bike with my kids. They have to actually do it to learn how to ride a bike. They don't think they can do it and I hold their seat until they learn. And eventually I have to let go of the seat and once they do it for themselves, they know they can do it. And a lot of times with faith, in fact, I think every time with faith, unless we are pushed to the point where we have to exercise it, our faith won't grow. Because how, how is our faith going to grow if we know everything has already been provided and everything's going to work out and we don't have to trust God for anything? Abraham was going to have to trust God for the next step and that's what we have to do for God as well. What is God going to do next in our life and in our church? And we have to step out and it may be difficult. It may not be something we're, usual or we're used to. Not something we're comfortable with but God is gonna allow us to grow through it. And I think this thing we're going through now is exactly that. We've, none of us have been through something like this before. That is where our faith grows. We prayed at the end of worship, that God is your provider, God is your, he meets the needs upon your heart, his word is true. So if our faith requires us to be in a difficult situation, God is gonna put those in our way. I was helping Hudson with his math, so yay, I, Conquered fifth grade math. And I, he keeps ta- asking me, is it going to get easier? I said, no, buddy, it's going to get harder. <laughs> every year you go, it's going to get harder. Why? Because everything that's a little bit more difficult requires more exercise to learn how to master it. And every situation in our life, as it's a little bit diff- more difficult, it allows us to conquer it and build our faith because of it. Now, There's no going deeper with God that's going to be easy. John Maxwell says, to go up, you have to give up. In other words, you want to progress in anything. If you want to go up, you have to give up. You want to be a better athlete, that means you've got to give up some stuff. You want to be a better scientist, you've got to give up freedom. You want to be a better, whatever you want to be, you have to give up other things to go up. And if you want to go deeper in God, you have to give up things in order to, to do it. And a lot of times that's time, effort, and sometimes it's allowing God to put obstacles in your path that requires you to exercise faith to go through them. Now, how many, when you were first a Christian, did God seem to answer every prayer? Pretty fast, right? As you get older, the prayers weren't answered as quickly. And sometimes the answer was no. Why? Because the process of maturing requires us to be able to handle when God says no. When you have a baby, as soon as they cry, you feed them or you change them, right? When they become 10 and they cry, you don't instantly change them or feed them, right? You make them find their own food, go in the cupboard, get something out of the cupboard or the fridge, Get your own cup of water. If you're doing that at 10 years old, something's wrong. If you're doing it at 20, really has a problem. And that's the way God is. God wants us to exercise our faith to work through it so that we mature, so that when we are 20 spiritually, spiritual years, we are not acting the same as we did when we first got saved. And in fact, 1 Corinthians 3 says this, Paul tells them, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. They had been Christians a long time, but they were acting like they were brand new babies in Christ. And they were still doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And Paul says, you're not not even maturing. You should be eating solid food now, and you're still, still drinking milk. And there's a maturing process that God sends that... We need to overcome through faith. Things that only require us to have faith. Genesis fifteen two, it goes on and says, but Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abraham said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Now remember, Abraham was told he's going to be the progenitor of a great nation, right? There's going to be a lot of nations that come out of him. Abraham had been married for a while and yet no kids. Has God promised you something that you're still waiting for? And every time I hear that, I think of what Brenda said, that this was going to be a lighthouse, right? If that's a promise from God, just because it ain't here yet doesn't mean it's not coming. And a lot of times when God promises something, it takes a long time to arrive and God uses that time to build our faith. Do we still believe it, the same way we believed it 15, 20 years ago, or have we forgotten it by the wayside? So in, in Bible times, for Abraham to have children, especially sons, was considered God's favor, God's blessing. That every time they had a child, it was because God was involved in that. But how is God going to accomplish this nation thing if Abraham had no kids? Now think about Abraham at this point, you know, forget the Egypt thing. He seemed to be doing most things right. He was living by faith. He won that great victory. Everything was working right. He was trusting God, and yet nothing. And nothing from God about that. You ever been in the dark about what God's doing. I mean, we look at the situation now. I don't think anybody has a clue of what God's going to accomplish through this. And a lot of times, darkness makes you fearful. Not knowing something makes you fearful. You don't know what's going to be accomplished through this. Abraham had no idea how God was going to accomplish his promise, and we have no idea of what's going on in the world right now, how that's going to change for us. why is darkness associated with fear because you can't see you can't see what's in front of you or what you do see is misrepresented and a lot of times when god keeps you in the dark and doesn't say anything to you and doesn't lead you and you feel like god's not speaking to you it doesn't mean that he's not there how many of you when your kids were little they put them in bed and they were afraid of the dark and you would stand outside the door and kind of look in on them Even though it was dark, they couldn't see you, but you could see them. And I think that's what God does. He leaves us in the dark, so we have to trust him that no matter what's happening, God's still watching over us, and things are going to work out the way God wants them to. And a lot of times when you're in the dark, now I feel this way sometimes, that you're not hearing from God, God's not seemingly doing anything, and you feel like, what did I do wrong? Did I I miss the boat somewhere? What did I do wrong that God's not working? Is there there sin in me that's keeping God away? Maybe God's unhappy with me. Maybe I'm, I'm failing in some area. Maybe God's done with me. Maybe God's done working through me. But it's the dark times that God wants us to press in and not just wait for something or a feeling or emotion. Think about this three months ago. We were humming along, doing great things, and all of a sudden, spring was coming and a screeching halt, right? And I think since then we've been in the dark about what God is doing or is going to do. God has given me no revelations. I've not seen really any extraordinary miracles. No great spiritual awakening that I'm aware of is happening. Is God unhappy for with us? Is this judgment from God? Is God trying to get our attention? Is God trying to wake us up? Maybe God's allowing us to appreciate what we have. You don't really appreciate something until it's taken away, right? Abraham had won some victories. His faith had grown. And yet nothing. Nothing from God. No idea of what God's future plans for him would be. I, I, one commentator says this, There are times when the Lord allows us to walk in the dark, to bring us to a place where we have to admit to ourselves that I don't know where I'm at, or I don't know where I'm going. Darkness allows you to grow. If you can see what's coming, faith is not required and you have all the answers, you don't need faith. If all these things are provided for you, then you lessen your trust and your dependence upon God. Think about when you first got your driver's license. If you're like me, you were invincible. And no matter how fast or how reckless you drove, you were still the king of the road. No one could drive better than you. And some of you are that way today. But the point is, just because you can see and visibility doesn't mean you're the best and doesn't mean that God's not working. Isaiah 50 verse 10 says, "Let Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Darkness allows us to realize that we don't have all the answers. And sometimes we don't have most of them. That's where faith has to come in. That's where God uses those situations to build your faith. I read this as a, another commentary it says, during the Boxer Rebellion in China, the China Inland Mission, which was founded by Hudson Taylor, it suffered a lot. And he, and Hudson Taylor says this, because of the stress he was under, I can't read, I cannot think, I can't even pray, but I can trust you may get to a situation where you just your mind is so focused on something that you can't really concentrate on praying or reading. That's the point where you have to come to say, I can't, all I can do is trust. I can't operate in the natural. I have to trust God. And when you do that and God comes through, that's how your faith has grown. Now think about Abraham. He's already been through a couple of dark places. When he left Ur, God says, start walking no idea where he was going god didn't reveal his plan and abraham kind of jumped the gun in the situation in egypt he acted in darkness he made a choice in darkness rather rather than trusting god in the dark now verse 4 goes on and says then the word of the lord came to him this man in other words abraham's servant will not be your heir but a son coming from your own body will be your heir god reiterates the promise that he made to abram Yes, you're going to be the father of many generations. You are going to be the guy. You ever need to be reminded of a promise? How many of you have a promise book, a God's promise book that you read, or have certain verses underlining, you go to them on a regular basis? Maybe you have a particular scripture that you have framed or somewhere that you look at all the time because you need to be reminded of what God says because not always can it come to your mind. In our times of walking in the dark, I think God takes away the distractions that are around us and allows God to remind us of what he has already said. You look at the situation now. (laughs) There's no distraction, right? We can't go anywhere, we can't do anything, there's no distraction. In fact, if you're cooped up in your house, there's probably distraction in your house. But there's nothing outside to distract you. And it's at those times that God draws you in, in, in the dark when you can't see anything and there's no other distractions, that's when God is able to speak to you. Now, my family makes fun of me. When I'm on the phone, I close my eyes when I'm talking. Anybody else do that? Because I think if I can't see it, I can't hear it. It makes me concentrate better if my eyes are closed and if i'm looking for directions in the car i turn the radio down right why because the distractions keep me from concentrating and when god takes away the distractions and puts you in the dark closes your eyes you're able to hear things how many of you were in your bed you hear a little creak or a little bang somewhere in the house if you come in this building at night there's all kinds of noises that go on in this place that you don't hear during the day because it's light. But at night, every sound, everything becomes more more apparent. And I think when God keeps us in the dark about what's going to happen, our senses are more attuned to what God wants to say, either through his word or, or through the Holy Spirit. And now, Abraham didn't have the Holy Spirit. Now, we do have the Holy Spirit, which brings to our mind things that we need to accomplish and to remind us of when we're in the dark. Genesis 15, 5, it goes on and says, He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Now, when we lived in Florida, we used to go onto the beach at night and look out in the water. And there was no, no ambient light on the water and because of that, you're able to look up and see all the stars that were there. Things you can't see when there's, you know, city lights everywhere. And you look up and you see this multitude of stars. It's so awesome. I can imagine what Abraham saw. There was no street lights for Abraham. He just looked up and saw this multitude of stars. I was reading a couple of books of, talking about the, the millions upon millions upon millions of stars that are out there. And when you look up, you, you look up and it's such a, a magnificent sight. Can you imagine what that looked like to Abraham? Because in first, he first told him in Genesis 13, 16, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. You ever walk on the beach? Anybody ever walk on the beach? Do you really concentrate on the sand below you? No, not, I don't anyways. But if you look up and you see the stars, and I think God was telling him, no matter where you're looking, you look up, you're going to be reminded of the, the promise. You look down, you're still going to be reminded of the promise. I think God allows us to have things in our life that allow us to remember what his promises to us are. Whether or not we can see them physically, our, the spirit in us can bring this back to our life. Here's a verse, the next verse. This is the, the verse that actually sets up the book of Galatians and the book of Romans. Genesis 15, six says, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Probably the keystone verse, one of them in the Old Testament. Our relationship with Christ is founded on faith. Abraham believed, he had faith. God says that made him righteous. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, Galatians 3.6, consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. Romans 4.1, what then shall we say about Abraham, our forefather discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And then Romans 4, 23, these words, quote, it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us whom God will credit, right, credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. That sentence he said to Abraham is the foundation of Christian faith. We are saved through faith. We are not saved through what we do, This was given years, hundreds of years before the law. Abraham said this. And because of his faith, the Bible says he was right with God. He was justified. It wasn't his actions. It wasn't his good deeds. It wasn't anything he did other than operate out of faith. Now how do we let that truth change us? You know, I think probably most people I think Americans, in particular, we have this image of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, You've heard that phrase. You know, you work for what you get. You know, we use the phrase a lot of times, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So we think that our accomplishments matter to God, and they do to a point. But if we think that we can acquire what God requires of us through our own action, then we are not operating in faith. Bringing it back a little bit closer, we don't know what's going on right now. We have no idea how it's gonna progress, if it's gonna get worse, if it's gonna get better. We're walking in the dark right now. But are we walking around in the dark in faith? Not fearful of what might happen, but in faith. We can't see the immediate future. We can't see the distant future of what's gonna happen. We can't see how this is gonna affect us. We can't see how this is gonna affect the country. We can't see how it's gonna affect any surrounding issues. But it's important that we walk in faith, trusting that God isn't silent through this. When we believe that God's in control, we believe that God has this situation well in hand. We don't fear, we don't worry. We are prudent, we do, what is recommended, but we don't allow fear to control us. We don't allow fear to take, its, take root in our lives because I believe that while this is happening, God is building up the faith in each one of us through different situations, whether you are working, whether you're not working, whether you're trusting God for provision, whether you're trusting God to remain healthy. You're doing what is necessary. We're doing the simple things. And then we have to come to a point where we trust God with the rest of it there's only so much we can do. Then the rest of it has to be up to God. It's easy to, not using this as a situation, but everything in life is a risk. Walking out the door, driving your car, it's a risk. You wear your seatbelt, you buy cars with airbags, you buy car insurance, you do all the things that you do to protect yourself. But it doesn't mean you stay home you still go out and you drive, you accept the risk. As Christians, and with this thing going on right now, we do what they tell us is good. Whether you wear a mask or not, whether you stay six feet away or not, you're doing what is prudent in this time. But once you do all the prudent things, then there's a a chance or a time you take the chance to step out. If we're controlled by fear, we're controlled about what might happen, what could possibly happen, we're never going to be able to build our faith and trust God through the situation. A lot of us are working. Some of us aren't working. God is faithful in both situations. We're doing what is prudent, we're doing what is necessary, but we're not living in fear of what possibly could happen. Abraham was worried about what could possibly happen down the road. God, you, did, you said all this, you said all these things to me, and it's not, it's not working, it's not happening right now. God says, don't be afraid, I'm your provider, I'm your great reward, you trust me with what's gonna happen in the future. You do what I'm telling you to do, and you trust me with the rest. And that's how we have to operate today. We do what is prudent and what is wise for us, but we don't operate in fear, and we trust God for what God is gonna do tomorrow, next week, next month. Now, a lot. Of, I'm going to have the worship team come up in a second. In fact, why don't you, if you would, come up now. I asked them to close with this song, Hope Has a Name. And I think a lot of times through this situation, people, they lose their hope. They, they hear the news, they hear all the bad things that are going on, and they kind of lose hope in what's going to happen. We don't get our hope from what's in the news. Somebody know that. We don't get our hope from what they tell us. We get our hope from what God tells us. And the song is, hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Worship him. Lord bless you.
1: I'm going to ask you all to stand with me again as we get ready to close. So I know it. I bow my life. I fix my eyes on Christ, my King. I bow my life. I fix my eyes on Christ, my. be praised, I have victory.
0: If you remember Abraham was told when he went into this country he was to be a witness to the country and God says don't be afraid don't let your fear be seen by those you're supposed to witness to we're in a situation now where there's a lot of people that are fearful a lot of people don't know what's going on and they're going to want an answer they're going to want something to take the fear away and as Christians we need to be the person that they look to not that we're not prudent but we don't let fear control us people are, some people are hurting and suffering and they're going to need some place to go we are still the ones that people are to look to, to see how we react to a situation. When people see us on the street, when people see us on social media, when people see us online, what do they see? They see fear, they see anger, what do they see, peace and Jesus? we still are the answer to the world. Jesus is the answer to every human need. And God is allowing this time so that people can see the church's response to something that is new and unfamiliar. And we want our witness, our life, to be the, the, what people see is Jesus. We want to show them what being a Christian really is and how God can take away the fear and the worry and replace it with confidence and assurance that God's in control. We want them to see that hope has a name. And the name of the hope that they need is Jesus. So however long this thing goes on, allow us to be that witness. Allow us to be what people see we need to be so that they are attracted to the gospel Father thank you for allowing us to be here today thank you for what you're doing in and through this situation and we know that you're in control and I pray that each one of us has the opportunity to to share the love and the hope and the peace of Christ through this this quarantine thing we want you to get the victory we want the name of christ to be praised and spread and in spite of what's going on lord help us to stand firm and help us to be the light that people in the world need to see father we love you this morning and we're so thankful for your blessings in our life now i pray your blessings upon each one of us as we leave again keep us safe keep us healthy and most of all keep us close to you through this time We ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming out. We will see you online Wednesday and then in person on Sunday.